0: Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws?
1: sensuous maidens offer themselves in ritual sacrifice to his brute embrace. Godzilla has a brain about this size. He is sheer brute force, while Kong is a thinking animal. His brain is considerably larger, about ten times the size of this gorilla's skull. Being instinctive rivals, there is no doubt that they will attempt to destroy one another. King Kong versus Godzilla Heading for their colossal collision Shattering every obstacle that stands between them In the most fantastic rampage of annihilation ever recorded on film See King Kong stamp Tokyo into the ground Holding a beautiful girl in his grasp See Godzilla destroy an entire army See King Kong trapped by the blazing barrier of a billion volts. But nothing, nobody can stop the great showdown when King Kong and Godzilla meet to fight for survival of the fittest.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Jaws? I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined once again by the Eddie boys, Jason and Luke. How are you doing, guys? Good.
3: I'm doing fine, Paul, doing just fine. Thanks for having us on again.
2: Oh, it's yeah. my pleasure. Now, now the, our plan was, for anybody listening, was that we were going to gear up for baseball season, and we were going to do the uh, movie 61 about uh, Roger Maris' run at the uh, single-season home run record. And that just hasn't come to pass. It may happen eventually, but it has not happened yet. And I had just a a desire, because I hadn't seen it in a long time, to watch King Kong vs. Godzilla. And who was I going to trot out to do that one with me? I couldn't think of anybody better (laughs) than you two guys. So uh, I sat down and I watched it again for the first time in in quite a while. It's been a number of years since I saw it. But uh, it's – I got to tell you – I, I, the movie brings a smile to my face. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so how about you guys? How 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 are you on this one?
4: You go.
3: Okay, sure. Well, King Kong versus Godzilla is one that, uh, and Jay, I'm sure will echo a lot of these, a lot of this sentiment that played all the time when we were kids on television, especially uh, it is, it was a very commonly seen on uh, Saturdays, on Super Scary Saturdays on TBS, hosted by Grandpa. Um, it has a, a great opening on that where it actually features um, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jim Com- <laughs> and the World Championship Wrestling music. That's the uh, but da 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 is an extremely common tape. Uh anyone just about anyone I knew who was into Godzilla as a kid had that VHS tape the bright blue cover with a yellow tint on it and all that. And it's it's such a ubiquitous movie this uh this American version of King Kong versus Godzilla that as a Godzilla fan of a certain age you can't you almost can't help but love it. And what's incredible is that now here we are in 2020 where for the first time ever Thanks to Criterion, the Japanese version is more widely available in the U.S. for the first time ever. So this uh, this movie is is ripe for uh, for rewatch and reevaluation. I'd say. What do you think, Jay?
4: Yeah, I actually watched the Criterion disc today. Um, yes. It's about as, as well. It's about as good as it's ever going to look. I'm just saying it's like that's that's about as good as this movies ever going to look because of just um, you know the, the prints that are available and what's there. Um, i didn't get a chance to go through all the these um, you know extras and stuff but i do know that that you know the japanese version was one of the biggest selling points of the entire thing um, mainly because you know of the uh and we'll, so we'll talk about it obviously we go through the misconceptions about what the japanese version contains compared to what it actually contains um you know in the reality of things but uh yeah this is this is uh, there are no uh, i mean put it this way king kong versus godzilla like you know it's Everyone kind of knows who King Kong is. Everyone knows who Godzilla is, even if they don't know who King Kong and Godzilla are. And to think that they fought, like, this is, you know, this is your Andre Hogan. This is, like, the bigger-than-life kind of thing. And it's, and look like Luke said, I think we've seen this movie dozens of times on TV because it was always on. And it's an easy sell to kids, you know, kind of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those movies that was back from the childhood, so.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I don't and, and think that I've ever seen the Japanese version. So the first thing I'd ask you guys to tell me is what are the differences between the American version and the Japanese version?
3: Um, so the uh, the biggest differences is the um, the scenes with your U.N. reporter, Eric Carter, all the scenes in the newsroom. Obviously, those were all the product of uh, of Universal's American um, uh, cut and that would be um, – basically, Universal hired a uh, director by the name of Thomas Montgomery, and he added a bunch of those scenes um, to make the film more American, which is incredible because this film started out actually uh, as an American project. Uh, this is a little inside baseball here, but uh, that's okay on this show, I think. So, okay. Willis, o- yeah, so Willis O'Brien had actually penned this, a script – which was a sequel to King Kong. It was called, you know, King Kong versus Prometheus or King Kong versus the Ginkgo. It had various names. Basically, it was a, it was a sequel to King Kong that ended up with Kong fighting this patchwork Frankenstein monster type thing. Um, some treatments had it in Africa. Some ended in San Francisco. But basically, he wanted to make a, a big stop motion sequel to King Kong. Uh, he sold the idea to an American producer named John Beck who gets credit for the American produ- American version produced by on this film. And Beck tried to sell the film all over the U.S. and couldn't get anybody to take it because it was seen as too expensive. So he eventually shopped the film to Japan, and Toho was willing to do it, but they said, instead of this other monster, why don't we make it Godzilla? So it started out as an American production. It ended up in Japan and then got was decided that the Japanese one was too Japanese, and so it got Americanized. The, the the other major change is is a little bit more subtle. So, the Japanese version of King Kong vs. Godzilla is primarily a satire. It's a, a satire on commercialism, on um, post war Japan, on the boom of capitalism in the country. So, it's actually pretty legitimately funny. And um, even though there's uh, some parts of it that are serious, there's some parts that are, are lighthearted and meant to be a little, a little goofy. The American version takes itself very seriously, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, that it probably shouldn't be taking itself so seriously. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the main difference. Now the, the urban legend that my brother was referring to, there's a long-standing urban legend, which uh, I've, um, I've seen all sorts of places that the, and, and, the the story goes that this was started in an issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland sometime in the 70s. That in the rumor, of course, is that in Japan Godzilla wins the fight, whereas in the American version King Kong does. Now this is this is not true. the The film ends exactly the same way in both films, with only one minor difference. Of course, um, you know we see King Kong swimming away into the distance. Uh, there's no sign of Godzilla. In the, uh, in, the, in the American version, the film ends where we hear King Kong's roar, and it says the end. In the Japanese version, we hear King Kong's roar and Godzilla's roar, and then it says the uh, end. Now, this was speculated to say, oh, Godzilla roared last. That meant he won. It's like, wow, that's just, that, that's a real stretch, okay? <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Uh, um, uh, director Ishiro Honda has said that the two monsters roaring – was the um, was meant to symbolize them coming out and taking a bow for the crowd after they had uh, finished the performance, like a like actors might do in a stage play. That was the reason <laughs> for the two roars. Uh, so no, uh, that that rumor I had said at the time because the Criterion box set, which came out last year, was it was welcome and controversial at the same time, and one of the controversial aspects was that the American version of King Kong versus Godzilla is included as the main feature with the Japanese version only included as a special feature. And I said at the time, I said, you know what? All of this is worth it. If it's, it stops this rumor from still spreading, you know, <laughs> 60 years after the fact of it, that they, that, that there's two versions of this film and Godzilla wins in Japan. If I never hear that again, I'll be happy. That's all I have to say. Well,
4: part of that, too, oh, yeah. also was uh, founded in the, the Crestwood series of books. Uh, there's the, the Godzilla book yeah. and there's the King Kong book. And um, the thing is, the Crestwood books, which if for those of you who don't remember those, we talk about them on base a lot. Um, they were the orange monster books when you were a kid. And maybe if you were lucky enough to get the second series, which is the purple monster books, um, it was King Kong and Godzilla and the Mummy and the Wolfman and the Creature Black Lagoon and whatever. And so in that in those, it says, well, in the American version, King Kong wins. And in the Japanese version, Godzilla wins. And literally, as a kid, you're like, it's in a book. It must be right, you know, kind of thing. It's in the library. It's not like <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's not someone telling you anything. It's like, oh, it's in a book, you know, kind of thing. So um but if you if anyone's interested in more in depth and what Luke's what, what, talk about in this stuff, John LeMay wrote a book called mm. Kong Unmade. Um, I actually had him on to talk about it. Uh, He goes way in depth about all the Kong sequels and the King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, um, you know, sequels and remakes and all the stuff that were all planned and supposed and all these. This you know Kong Unmade is one of his books he's written. He's written many books, but in there he explores a lot of the stuff Luke's talking about, and it's just it's crazy to think like literally, um, you know, that this movie in like in the thirties and forties, like this thing where they were talking about this thing and, you know, the idea of like the, with the, with the seed of what Kong key Kong of Godzilla is. And as it is in 2020, we're now waiting on the remake of this, movie you know, kind of, it's still, that's how marketable this idea is.
3: Oh, yeah. you know, so that, I mean, that, and really that you nailed it on the head, the, you know, yeah. like you say, even generations removed from their creation, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was watching this this morning with my kids. My kids have seen this before, but it's been a while since we've watched it. And they came downstairs, and I was about 20 minutes into it, and we had we had seen Godzilla wake up, and we, they hadn't seen Kong yet. And they're on Faroe Island, and you hear the, the roar, and then Kong shows up. And my youngest goes, hey, that's King Kong! So everybody knows if you're, I think, especially if you're an American at this point, everybody instinctually knows King Kong and Godzilla, and knows those are the v two premier giant monsters. So putting them together, that's like peanut butter and jelly, man. That's just making money. That's what that is.
2: <laughs> I totally agree. It, 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 conceptually, it's just you know, how could you lose with with the, right. the concept of, of these two facing off against each other, uh, you know? And I think, honestly, I think. A lot of this movie is carried by the concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, we we can get into more specifics as we go along, but this this may be some of the cheapest special effects I've ever seen in my life.
3: Well, uh, you see, that's that's and and you know, and that that's one of the things. This this film was often held up, specifically the Universal version was often held up by American critics who uh, for years, for decades, were loath to uh, even uh, deem worthy of their time anything made out of North America or Europe. Any Asian cinema was seen as trash, absolute trash, to the point that, again, to to reference back to Famous Monsters, in the mid-70s, Forrest Ackerman did an issue of Famous Monsters talking about, Japanese movies about Godzilla and he received downright hate mail from regular readers saying, "How dare you put this, this uh, Eastern garbage in this in your magazine? This is supposed to be about monsters, not this Japanese crap. So there, there was always this common conception about it. And again, part of that is what the, you know that, that the, the monsters were not necessarily being played for to be serious in this film and that it's a tonal shift. Because you know this is this film was made in Japan in 1962. In the years prior to that, we had had Toho already putting out some of the best-regarded giant monster films of all time. You know, with this, this is only two years removed, or yeah, only two years removed from Mothra, the effects of which are much much higher regarded, even though they're all by the same team. And this film had a bigger budget. The only difference was that Mothra had a different tone. And had a more direct involvement from Columbia, from the American, uh, the the American co-producer. So it's very interesting because it it also gets into, and Jay I think knows where I'm going with this, that there's this uh, a cultural difference in how Western audiences and Eastern audiences often look at special effects. And we may mm-hmm. have talked about this when we did Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, a while back. I think it's funny that the two. Godzilla films that had the most American editing of the Showa movies are the two we've talked about. Um, but, th- but those two were very common in U- in the U.S., so that's understandable as well. That in um, in the United States, and specifically in the United States, but in the West in general, we look at special effects and we're looking for an image that's realistic. We want to be fooled into thinking that could be real. You know, the the illusion of life, the illusion of reality. Uh, right here on my my podcasting desk, I have a notepad that I have made out of the, um, uh, the VHS cover of the Ten Commandments, and I always think about the special effects like the parting of the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments and the idea of trying to make that look like it actually could be a realistic depiction of that. But Eastern audiences, a lot of times, and this is not always true, but it's, this, this, was, this has been shown to be true in a general trend, are oftentimes less interested in a realistic image rather than a striking image, something that looks memorable, something that looks um, you know uh, artistic and stylish. So that is sometimes where we see the difference between American and Western-style special effects and Asian, specifically Japanese-style special effects. There's a bit more stylization. Uh, there's a bit less uh, attention to reality. Uh, this film is, a, is, is not a, an, all, an, an, all, an outright depiction of that, but we do get that in a sense. Now, at the same time, Yes, the Kong suit is terrible in this film, <laughs> and and there's no way around it. That's if you'll pardon the if you'll if you'll excuse the pun, that's the 800 pound gorilla in the room for this movie, yeah. isn't it? It's the terrible King Kong suit. So. You know what? I'm
2: gonna, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it's, it's it's it is what it is, but the Kong suit I think fits with what you're talking about. That right? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, especially you know you put it up against the original Kong. Uh, you know, stop action, stop motion, photography, uh, and, and it doesn't—it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare in the slightest. But it is quite memorable and striking in how it appears. So I yes. can go with your 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 description there of how it's viewed culturally. Now the Godzilla costume, though, while it doesn't look as bad, it clearly has zero maneuverability. So so there's something, yeah. you know, like you know, in a still in a still shot, it's like, oh yeah, it's Godzilla. Like, you know, yeah, yeah I don't blink an eye yeah. on that. Uh, but once once it starts moving, it's like, really? <laughs> you well, know you I
3: mean? know, poor poor you know, poor Haru Nakajima wearing a couple hundred pounds of latex, you know, doing the best he can <laughs> to move. But and, yeah. and Jay and Jay knows this too. Godzilla sixty two is mm-hmm far and away one of the most popular oh, godzilla wow. suits and is beloved it's unbelievable. and i said this right. to my the, kids yeah go ahead i'm go.
4: just saying the, the thing with the, with godzilla suits and it, again the, the the to be honest with you, from the neck down is not nearly as important as the neck up right um yeah. because again a lot of people identify the godzilla's like the heads are what's most striking I And mean, you get to the 70s like, I'm thinking, like, um, versus uh, versus the Smog Monster and things like that. Like, they start getting goofier sometimes. And sometimes, like, they don't, no, there are no consistencies. Uh, but the 62 is one of the most popular uh, um, Godzillas uh, from, the, like, the visage of what, you know, it's like, for that head. Like, that is, the, like when, when they make a Godzilla, when someone starts sculpting a Godzilla piece in general, a quote-unquote general Godzilla, often the 62... It's the same way that when they sculpt a Frankenstein in general, we don't get Carlos Frankenstein. We get Glenn Strange's Frankenstein, which is much more memorable with the much more squared off head, the bolts and stuff like that. It's just what culturally has become the popular image. And that might very well be because this movie literally was everywhere you right. know, for years and years and years. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah,
3: because this movie Sorry. wasn't just a hit in the U.S. This movie was a gigantic hit in Japan. To this oh, yeah. day, adjusted for inflation, still the most successful Godzilla film mm-hmm. in, in Japan is King Kong vs. Godzilla, and still holds the record for most tickets sold. This movie is, is, was incredibly popular in Japan. So, and, and as I mentioned to my kids this morning, again, all, uh, nearly every image you see of Godzilla 62 has his arms flailed out to the side because <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> and I'm doing it up to the up to the microphone for everyone to see. <laughs> One of the things I got to give them on this movie is the
2: script is incredibly uh it's 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 well thrown together. You know, let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'm 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 limited to the uh American version. I I've never actually seen the Japanese yeah. version. But I mean, basically we have almost with the exception of the uh the uh, Empire State Building sequence, we have almost a whole King Kong movie in here. Right. And then we have two battles yeah. with Godzilla. We have all the expositional news network stuff, which is, which <laughs> is kind of fun to watch. We, we have the, the totally nonsensical fact that electricity drains Godzilla of power, but it gives Kong power. I don't know where exactly that comes from, but I kind of love
3: it. (laughs) Yeah, the the thing with Godzilla and electricity is kind of a – that's an odd, strange road because back in 54 (laughs) or 56, if we're here in the States, around Tokyo, and it doesn't work. Godzilla goes through it. That's a classic image that was used as Mm -hmm. stock footage actually in Godzilla 1985 of Godzilla tearing through the high-tension wires, whereas here at a much higher voltage. I think in the American dub, they specifically say 1 million volts, which is – that's like a that's like a that's like several power plants in 1962, just, just as a reference. <laughs> um, and it does stop him. Now, I, for a long time, I was with you, uh, Paul. I didn't understand the idea of why, why what this connection with lightning to Kong. And the best that I've come up with, and I haven't I haven't really seen this in any uh, Daikaiju uh, crit- criticism books or anything like this. But the theme that I've got. So you know the the team from Pacific Pharmaceuticals they go to Faroe Island, right? And they see the natives and it's a Sonichi Sekizawa movie. So we've got to have an Island in the South Pacific with natives. They got to worship a monster. God, there's got to be some kind of strange juice because these are in almost all of his movies and I'm not making this up. <laughs> uh, Sonichi Sekizawa spent most of world war two moving from one desolate Island in the Pacific to the other. And he wrote about Pacific islands in his movies. Um, but They go there and, you know, they're handing out the cigarettes and they got the transistor radio and all these things that um, other other podcasts might now describe as problematic. Uh, But I'm not going to go there. So and so they they, they hear the thunder and lightning and they all fall to the ground and start go back to prayer. And Sakurai laughs at him and he says, their their great God is just thunder and lightning up there in the sky. And you're no better. And he's he's very smug as the man from Civilization laughing at the foolish primitives. And then we hear Kong's roar. And Kong's roar sounds sort of like thunder. And so to me, I always kind of made that connection, is that Kong is mistaken for thunder and lightning. His roar kind of sounds like thunder. So that was about the best connection I could get, is he always shows up on Faroe Island during a lightning storm. And so he must have some connection to lightning. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't remember there being anything like that in in the in the uh, the Miriam C. Cooper version. Um, no. what, what's What's interesting is that Toho tried for several years to make sequels to this because they had a license from RKO for ten years to make uh, King Kong movies, or five years. Excuse me, not ten years, five years. I, I and would, yeah. Because if it had been ten years, he'd have been in Destroy All Monsters, and that's a shoot. But yep. that, in, would have been, that would have been made it so cool. <laughs> yeah, because they, they could have had Kong attack New York, which would have been crazy. Yep. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so one of the first the the first sequel they tried to get made was a film called Operation Robinson Crusoe, and this film is very familiar to American audiences as Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. So the general yep. concept of that film with. Um, a monster being found sleeping on an island. He's woken up with electricity and then goes on to fight, uh, as I like to say, a crustacean, a condor and communists on that Island uh, <laughs> was originally intended for King Kong. And it would continue the idea of Kong being revitalized by electricity. Uh, when it became, when at that point it wasn't RKO it was rank and bass. They didn't like the crew working on the film. They, they wanted the A-list, team and not what they saw as the B-list team. And they said, no, we don't want to do it. Toho basically just plugged, Kong, uh, plugged Kong, replaced Kong with Godzilla, which is why some mm-hmm. of that film works the way it does. Uh, like Godzilla showing interest in a human female being resurrected by electricity, that sort of thing. Um, there's, I don't remember that do they King don't Kong use too. electricity in King Kong Escapes,
4: though. No, they don't. And that's the thing is in King Kong Escapes, which is literally the movie that um, has arguably – as much as Luke said that, uh, you know, there are certain things that are like the the sixty two Godzilla. mechanic Kong has become oh uh, taken a life of its own, and they can't use it ever again. Right. <laughs> uh, the thing is, Toho, I from again, what they, they had at least, I want to say, six different ideas in play yep. to try to make King Kong movies. Like they were going to make King Kong movies and Godzilla movies, and yep. so basically, you are going to have two franchises. Think about this. Imagine that it had been 10 years and they had been able to make these. You'd had King Kong movies and Godzilla movies coming out stemming from King Kong versus Godzilla culminating in Destroy All Monsters. You literally could have a parallel universe that that they literally had to wait until now to create the happening of King Kong and Godzilla's. Where they don't yeah. touch, they they had their fight. They don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. Now they come back together and destroy all monsters. It's literally yeah. pro wrestling. So <laughs> that's what this is. So. Which,
3: which is which again gets back to the Japanese film. At one point, they're they're all t- in the Japanese one, and this does and again this is one of the humorous bits that doesn't get translated. They're at, at Pacific Pharmaceuticals. They're all taking bets. We see Taco yes. and Sakurai make a bet, but everyone is betting on the outcome until finally one guy says, "Look, it's not pro wrestling, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except it kinda is." <laughs> so, well,
2: oh, I think it has the same like, the same appeal as far as the concept goes.
3: Oh yeah, like I you, think you, you mentioned the, earlier,
2: Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. You know, I think it's, yeah. I think we I think you you hit it
3: in the nail on the head. You know, you know the meme that goes around that says same energy. If you take <laughs> If you take Hogan and Andre staring at each other at WrestleMania three, and then Godzilla and Kong fighting over a Tommy Castle, same energy. That's it, right there. Yeah. Well, that, that, <laughs> image one... the... right, I'm saying, that image of
4: them fighting over the I'm saying, but that image them fighting over the castle. If you oh. look back, like that image is, is is everywhere. I mean, that that's one of the most famous images from the movie Kong with his arms out and like whatever. They're staring off at each other. It literally looks like. Every single like if you look at like WrestleMania posters where it's Hulk Hogan and Andre Giant or Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage or Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slough. It's basically that exact same thing. It's every single UFC fight. It's everything like that, that the way they come together. And again, it's part of a movie. So it's not like, you know, it was like a big versus in the middle. But literally they could just slap a big V.S. in the middle of that picture. And that's your entire movie. Like that's how you're selling something. you sell it. Some you always talk about the elevator pitch. You know how can you pitch a movie? That's it. You're like King Kong, Godzilla versus boom. I don't say anymore because you get, it sells itself. You know kind of thing. So I, I you even get the that, prelim
2: with uh, Kong versus the squid.
4: Oh yeah, okay yes. So oh a daco. The squid, Yes, the squid is gotta be okay. So I watched it with the girls again today, and the girls have seen this movie. We actually I actually have on my wall in the living room. A framed, it's uh, it looks like a movie poster, but it's like framed in like wood and stuff. It's one of the smaller movie posters for King Kong versus Godzilla. It's one of the ones that was uh, illustrated, and you know, so it's a movie that we've just watched a bunch in this house. Every time the octopus comes out, they're like, "Why is it making that noise?" I go, "Cause well, they put an octopus on on the set, guys. It's a real octopus." And they're like, "But why is it going pop, pop, pop?" I'm like, "Cause it's sucking noises from its mouth, and whatever. it is just always so funny." When they then cut to the not re- no, the, well, the, the dead octopus when he's fighting with it, yes. you're like, wow, that's not anything like that. That's the one. <laughs> then it's alive again. We're good. But yep. anyway, so, so, yeah. uh, so
2: as, far out as, out as far as as far as this movie goes, and I mean, obviously, I'm not setting the bar very high, but as far as this movie goes, the the squid slash octopus might be the best yeah. special effect.
4: Well, well a real you know,
3: watch. it's it, well, yeah, I was going to say it, it, and, it was, and it was oh, lunch. so it was lunch. <laughs> yes, that's. So, two things. First off, yes. There were several live octopi that were used, and the way that this was done was octopi can survive a little little while outside of water, okay? And so, what Edgy Subaraya did was he and his crew took an octopus, they put it on the set, they blew air on it to get it to move in the direction they wanted, because it'll move away from the air. Okay? There were, the story goes that there were, I think, five octopi used one of them was cooked and eaten by Ishiro Honda. So this movie, Peta, would tear this movie apart nowadays. Uh, for that, that said, Owadako, Owod- as he is known, uh, which is literally just means giant octopus or great octopus. <laughs> um, he is he's an interesting interesting creature because he was so popular with um, with 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 the American production of this movie that. Who was one of the? He was a producer uh, at um, UPA. I want to say it was UPA, and he had a hand in the American uh, distribution for Frankenstein Conquers the World. And he's so like the octopus in this that he said, "You've got to put the octopus in Frankenstein Conquers the World." Frankenstein Conquers the World is another Toho film. It involves a um, basically it involves again, depending on whether you're watching the American or the Japanese one, either the irradiated heart of the Frankenstein monster growing into a new monster after it's caught in the bombing at Hiroshima or the irradiated heart of the Frankenstein monster is eaten by a Japanese boy who finds it in the rubble of Hiroshima and grows into a giant version of the Frankenstein monster involves him fighting the monster Baragon. Um, So again, at the very end of this movie, there is an alternate ending where Owadako, a giant octopus comes out out of not being mentioned anywhere else in this movie and drags Frankenstein down to a watery grave. That was deemed, as like, this doesn't make any damn sense. There's no octopus <laughs> anywhere else in this movie. So, yeah. the film that is ostensibly the sequel to Frankenstein Conquers the World, the much-beloved War of the Gargantuas, opens well, <laughs> with Owadako, the giant octopus, attacking the, and then being fought off and driven off by Gyra, only for, of course, Gyra to then turn on the ship and sink it himself, because Gyra is yeah. he's, he's evil. But yeah, Oodako is my again. I watch it with my kids. That that grosses my youngest out so much. He's like, he is so gross. I'm like, I know because he's an octopus. That's the closest thing to an alien life form that lives on this planet is an (laughs) octopus. And you take it out of its normal element and put it on land. It looks and weird. It's just like it's just gasping and writhing. It's like that is that is nasty. <laughs> yeah. one, one of my
2: one of my favorite things to do, you know, on Christmas Eve we always had fish salad, which included yes, you know, small octopus tentacles in it. And uh, one of those, my favorite things to do with with when the kids were younger was when they weren't paying attention, I'd ha- I would put one in my mouth and I'd have the the tentacle dangling out of my mouth like you know, hanging <laughs> over by my chin. And and then when they'd look at me and I'd just go <laughs> and suck it up and eat it, uh, you know, as, as as if I had eaten a, an entire octopus. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, well, I, I could just say good times.
3: <laughs> good times, great memories. Oh, yeah. I mean, and th- I, think, I mean, you're, and you're right, though. Odako is actually a very well-done oh, effect, yeah. and the fight with him and King Kong is quite nice, even though it's extremely short. But... Yeah. It, you know, it, it, to the point that we talked uh, a while back about Kong Skull Island, the, the reason why Kong fights an octopus in that movie is an homage to the scene against Odako on Sherrill yep. Island. So it is, it's a, it's a well-liked scene, for, again, for, like you said, it, it's it's unique. Um, you know, we, my brother and I, not too long ago on Bots, Bugs and Bays we talked about the giant Gila monster. And um, so we're talking about photographically enlarged lizards. And there's a lot of photographically enlarged lizards. There's not as many photographically enlarged arthropods. And, you yeah, know, mm-hmm. so it's like this, and then Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea drinks, springs to mind immediately right. as well. And that octopus didn't want nothing to do with what Earl and Alan was doing. He was like, no, I don't want to grab right. the ship. What do you, no, I'm not <laughs> <here."> <laughs> No, he
4: definitely
3: did not. Which is
4: so funny, because 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is all, you know, animatronic and stuff like that, and that was people remember, you know, kind of yes. thing like the. Like the scene of like the squid grabbing it and all the thing. Like it's all that, you know, like, oh, okay. Like that's that's one of the things that when, you know, you kinda of think back to twenty thousand either to see, like that's you know, if you've ever been on the ride at Disney when it was when it when it existed or whatever, that's all part of yeah. it. But that there's no real octopus there. Or <laughs> the squid, I should say. You know, kinda of thing, but there's it's no the squid, real octopus, yeah. the squid. There's no real one there. It's all done with animatronics and stuff. But that I mean that movie was so far ahead of its time it's unbelievable. Um, for what yeah. it was able to do at the time when it was made. But um, yeah, but the, the thing is, in this movie, um, and, and again, we, Paul was t- talking about the, the, the special effects stuff, what is literally drives me nuts in this movie, King Kong's arms, the, yes. the extendo arms, the extendo arms, and then when he has to fight, he goes to short arms. If they just went all short arms, I think we would have been okay with it, but they really, really, really wanted the extendo arms in there. Yeah. And he looks like the, you know the wacky hand-waving guy. You know what? Like, you have for the car dealership? <laughs> so, but the problem is, you can tell when he's got the things on, you're like, nothing's going to happen here. I said, because Haley and I were watching this morning because part of, uh, you know, this distance learning and like, you know, because uh, you know, we have to be home is we're doing film critique along with, I guess, one of her classes now. Like, I've now added film as one of her classes. It gives us an excuse to watch uh, Return of the Living Dead and talk about the inconsistencies in scenes. Um, but we were talking about today. go, Haley, notice that when his arms are long, you can see where the man's hand and he's holding on to the other half of the arm and moving it around. But you'll notice that he doesn't pick anything up or do anything. She's like, Oh my god, you're right. And I go, Yeah, now watch, his arms got way shorter. He picks up a rock and throws it. He's able to do things. Godzilla, good gravy. Uh, you know,
3: <laughs> yeah, like I said it's 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 not. It, it's one of those strange things because it's not being played all together seriously. They kind of fool around with stuff like that.
2: Yeah, that was yeah, uh, Subaraya,
3: who does the special effects, was clearly having a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, no, and I, and I, and I would, assume he, he didn't really... have a heck of a lot of budget on that either.
3: Eh, it, it's relatively speaking. What was it three hundred thousand? Say this I to think?
2: Andy Leyland. Hmm. What's that? I think it was. I think the budget was three hundred thousand. If I remember right,
3: the budget was two hundred um, thousand. Excuse me. Yeah, well, it's the U.S. budget, and that's the number I've seen. I've seen one hundred and fifty million yen, right. which at that time, so you know, it, it's a little bit more. if that two hundred thousand was the budget for the U.S. inserts, because there's no way this was shot on two hundred thousand dollars. It's not in color and wall screen. That, that that doesn't that that to me doesn't add up. But I don't, you know, it's it's hard their budget numbers and stuff. It's just not common in Japan for those to that to be done. What's um one one thing that I do also is, is great about this movie is this the first as I, I just alluded to this this is the first, first Godzilla film in widescreen in Toho scope which is the same as um oh CinemaScope I think it's one, it's no it's not CinemaScope but it is it is their widescreen format which is one eighty five to one. It's a very very common what's uh, various um, genres of film that we see, but. What's great about this is that, again, it's the first one in color, the first one in widescreen, but there are so many aspects of this from a technical standpoint that become standard. Um, The sound effects. There are so many sound effects used in this that you will hear over and over in the show, a series. The helicopter blades, that sound is used literally in any film that has a helicopter. Between now and the Heisei era, starting in 1984, that had the same helicopter sound. The the rifles when um, Sakurai and um, uh, Sakurai um, Kinzaburo are shooting to shoot the raft to blow it up. The sounds of the gunfire, again, very common Toho sound effect. Of course, Godzilla's roar was already established, but just the sounds in general. um, common That's kind of a a familiarity thing. The other thing is the cast. A lot of the cast of this movie are Toho regulars, so it's people that we go on to see numerous times. Uh, Sakurai is uh, today otakash is a very well recognized uh, character actor. He's in King vs. Godzilla of course. he was in Atragon, Frankenstein conquers the world. he was in um, let's see son of Godzilla he appeared in, in he did uh, he appeared as in as uh, the professor in my fair Lady in Japan, which is incredible. <laughs> Kenji <laughs> Sahara, who is, uh, who is Fujita, was the uh, the, uh, the the boyfriend, the inventor. he's another one. he was in uh Rodan before in many other uh, Godzilla films he was in um let's see he was in the Mysterians which is a film that predates this which actually uh, some stock footage from the Mysterians is borrowed in this film all of the scenes of the internet light is actually a space station from the Mysterians and that was inserted by Universal um, that those scenes are not in the Japanese cut additionally at the end when they have the earthquake and we see the tidal wave and the landslide and all that all those scenes of destruction are recycled from the Mysterians because the American producers thought that needed a little more punch at the disaster at the end. Um, <laughs> but uh, Sahara, hes in uh, Mothra, Gorath, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, War the Gargantuas, Destroy All Monsters. The list goes on. Um, the um, Mayhama, who is—that's uh, um, she's our—that's um, uh, um, Fumiko, that's the uh, you know the girlfriend and the sister. She was another longtime common uh, um, Toho actress, probably best known to Western audiences. She's Kissy Suzuki in You Only Live Twice from 1967. Uh, okay. Both of the Japanese um, Bond girls in You Only Live Twice are Toho um, uh, cast members. They're people. Uh, it's Akiko Wakabayashi and Miyahama, who are both, uh, they said they were both um, uh, Toho starlets. In fact, Akiko Wakabayashi has a bit role in this. She is the neighbor that comes and talks to her and says, "Oh, your boyfriend's plane oh, yeah. crashed." And it's like, wow, it's like she would go on. I mean, she's she's the princess in her to three-headed monster, you know, which is what I know her best from. She's the Martian yeah, yeah. princess. But um, yeah, you know, so there, there's a and the other uh, Akiko uh, Akihiko Harada, who um, he's the he's the uh, the government official that keeps saying, "No, we're not going to use the atomic bomb." Um, actually, in the American one, they say, "Well, it's our last resort." And the Japanese one, they say, "No, we're not using the atomic bomb because this is a Japanese movie. Of course, we're not going to use the atomic bomb." <laughs> uh, but Harada, of course, played Dr. Serizawa in the original Gojira and is best known for that. And the last one I do want to mention, the General, is played by Jun Tazaki. And Tazaki almost always plays a general, a scientist, or a commander. That's because like he, he's the older guy and he has the little mustache. So he looks like he's in charge. Right. And then it this reaches its pinnacle in Monster Zero, when he's a scientist and the command. So <laughs> but there's again, if, if you're watching a lot of these movies growing up on, on TV or VHS, you even though you don't get the names of a lot of these folks, because a lot of times the American cuts don't have the names of the Japanese cast, the faces become very familiar, you know. <laughs> So it's like, oh, it's Dr. Sarazawa. It's like, oh, it's it's uh Shigeru from Rodan. It's like, oh, it's the princess from Ghidorah, you know. So it's 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 the same. The studio system in Japan lasted a bit longer than it did in the US. So you get a lot of the same faces popping up with these.
4: Well you get a lot of that same thing happen um through the fifties and sixties, obviously, in all the B movies and stuff. Um, you know, Richard Denning and uh, you know, um Richard um, Carlson and uh um oh what the heck's his name uh um john agar and stuff like that like they yes. made a lot of those kind of movies um because again they were all just kind of you know under contracts and did stuff like that so it's a lot of that same thing so as a kid growing up watching b movies you know on on saturday mornings on you know on uh you know, super scary saturday and uh captain usa and on you know on uh you know channel five when they would show the the Kung Fu movies and the Moshu movies, you saw a lot of the same people over and over and over again, you know, kind of thing. So it's kind of like this as a kid, it's like, well, those are stars, you know, that's who I I mean, that's who a star is, you know,
3: kind of thing. Hey man, I've I've told this story before, but when I was a kid, Raymond Burr was like the biggest Hollywood star there was because (laughs) he was in Godzilla and Perry Mason.
4: Yeah. And and he's Perry Mason
3: every day. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so I watched him in Godzilla and our mom watched him every day as Perry Mason on WTBS and then, yeah. you know, and then in the 80s, Godzilla 1985 came out, and then the new Perry, Macy, Perry Mason movies came out at the same time. It's like, yeah. this guy's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, it's
2: uh, <laughs> just story-wise a little bit. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I got to say, I, I love, I, I, I'm surprised how much I enjoy the expositional moments that they put in. Uh, you know, cause usually to me that just jumps out at me as very cheap and lazy writing that you have to do that. Uh, but there's so many little things in there. And I, I think my fa- single favorite moment is when he compares brain size. Yes. Of Godzilla to yeah. King Kong. <laughs> What does he hold up? Like a P or something? He says this has got till his brain. Then, then he holds up it's a marble. A marble. <laughs> yeah. then, he, then he holds up like a an ape's skull, and he says, and this would be, you know, King Kong's, except it would be many, many times larger. Yeah.
4: It's ten times oh. the size of this, and I'm like, okay,
3: like you know, yeah. you want to know what's what's amazing about that is my my oldest boy this morning, he started freestyling on that. Because during the big fight at the end, he's like, well, you could see that Kong is smarter than Godzilla. And most of the time, Godzilla fights other monsters that are at the same intelligence level as him. So he doesn't have to outthink them. But Kong is smarter because he knows to, to play possum and he knows to avoid the atomic breath. And I'm like, please, man, just watch the movie. Please just watch <laughs> the movie, this but yeah. uh, let, let, him, let him have Alice his moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's every every movie with my my oldest boy. It's like he has to. It's like it's like Fry from Futurama. Must you look at everything with your endless logic? But uh, uh, no, I, I the thing about the the expositional news stuff is that it's it, see, Daikaiju, Daikaiju fans. I, I said this to my brother a while back. I never thought I would find a more miserable, self-loathing group of fans oh than pro wrestling fans. But yeah. Giant Monster fans are up there. They are up there yeah. as far as being lo- self-loathing. But there's this, this attitude that, um, you know, this general idea that any American insert shot is, is trash and, and they hate it. And it's it's a slap in the face of the filmmakers who made it and all that. And it's like, yeah, look, okay, they are corny, they are ridiculous, but they're also at this point, they're part of the movie. This is the, 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 the wide and, and well-known presentation of this film in the United States has those insert shots with the UN reporter Eric Carter and the talking about the berry juice and talking about earthquakes in Chile for some reason that has nothing to do with anything. Um, it's almost like the Mysterians, where they have an earthquake uh, machine, but you know, it's 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 clearly not. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree. They're 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 kind of charming in their way because they they are a throwback to a different era. This technique was not used very often because it's much more expensive to do that rather than just you know take the international dub and put new titles on it. So the you know it 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 harkens back to an era when, yeah, we wanted these. We wanted these um, uh, these import pictures because they, they, they were inexpensive and they they made money and they were popular, but we don't want them to think that they're too foreign because that'll confuse people, you know. And so putting in these uh, the, these Western faces. Uh, was was a way to do that, and and even in the even in the opening credits, in the American cast is listed first, which I think is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just absolutely astounding. Of course, again, they do the same thing in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So it there was. Well, I mean, it, it
2: goes back to even even Gojira with putting Raymond Burr in there.
3: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they they he is listed first in that cast. In fact, he's, uh, he's in the the down the in the original version of that, there actually are end credits that list everybody, but the one that's commonly seen had those stripped out. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's is—it's part of it. And, again, going for this movie especially, this is one that – this was not one of the ones that I – this was not one of – believe it or not, credibly enough, this was not one of the first Godzilla movies that either Jay or I saw. Um, you know, that was, that was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And then Ghidorah, and then Rodan, and then Monster Zero. Those were the originals that introduced us to to Godzilla, especially me, because I watched that tape over and over. But this was one that we saw a lot. Like I said, so at this point, to me, they're they're just—they're kind of—they're—they're—they're charming, and they're of their era, if that makes sense. You know, it's like we would even a few years later, nobody'd think to do this. The only—I mean, really—the only insert shots that we would get later on in the the series, until Godzilla 1985, which is a kind of a different animal. And uh, a couple of, um, two years later, in um, Mothra vs. Godzilla, there is an American insert shot. Everybody forgets about this because it's a special effects sequence. There's a scene in that film where um, Godzilla gets attacked by the, they call them the, the frontier missiles. And basically it's the U.S. Army being stationed in Japan as using a new missile system. So it's just a, a little special effects sequence last for maybe three, four minutes of them firing all these missiles at Godzilla. That was done at the request of, uh, let's see, Godzilla vs. the Thing would have been AIP, I believe, to put a little American flavor into the film. But nobody has any problems with that because it's an effect sequence. You know, But it's like, well, wait a minute. I thought all insert shots were a slap in the face of the Japanese filmmakers you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, I get agreed. It's not, again, it, it, you don't, let me tell you something. You don't miss them if you watch the Japanese one, because the, they, they do, to me, they hurt the pacing a little bit. Cause let's, t- let's talk about this for a couple of minutes with our children's book of dinosaurs to figure this out for the UN. <laughs> but uh, that says more about the, I'm not going to say it, but uh, the, um, but uh, no, but they, I said, they, they are definitely part of it and it would be weird watching this in English without them. They're, they are so much. It's like, let's go see what's going on with the Seahawk, you know, or if, meanwhile, here on Faroe Island. It's like, Thank you, helpful exposition guy. I wouldn't <laughs> have known what to do without you.
2: One, one of my other favorite things in this movie is one of my favorite other things that I think is incredibly silly, but I just get a kick out of is the transporting
3: Kong by giant balloons. <clears throat> yes, because why not? Because why not? How else are you gonna move? You know? <laughs> I don't do know. The, I think there's got to be other ways. There's got to be. You know, when King Kong escapes, they actually they actually airlift him with four helicopters.
2: Yeah.
3: The helicopters yeah, pick so up one at, one at each limb and fly him to uh, to the Arctic to go dig up Element X or whatever it's called. Yeah. But right. The, yeah. No, it, it's 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 it is ridiculous, and and it's it's it. Is, there's no question. It's ridiculous. Well, the the only real and, and this, this is another thing that, that's, that is changed in this movie is that Universal took out a lot of Akira Ifukube's, or Ifukube, I guess we're supposed to say, Akira Ifu, uh, Ifukube's score and replaced it with standard stuff from their library, primarily Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yep. And this is a scene where they take out a wonderful piece of music, a wonderful piece of score by Ifukube, uh, it's called Engineering Kong's Move, is what the name of the piece is. If you if anyone wants to look it up on YouTube, just a great piece. And they replace it with the stock music, and it really kind of hurts it. But no, it it is it is so it's so again it's ridiculous. It goes to the point that why does why does the boyfriend have this super strong wire that he invents? It's so that it can happen in this scene. That's the only re- point that entire subplot plays is to have a way to move Kong. Yeah. So you get the idea that Sekizawa was just being clever. And it's like, yeah, well, we'll introduce this and maybe they'll need it. Except they'll only need it for this ridiculous thing where we've got to move him so that, you know, 50 years before Godzilla 2014, the solution is let them fight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> yell at uh, uh, but, but, And let me tell you, when we were watching this morning, my oldest, my, my oldest daughter, she goes, what are the big yellow things? I go, just wait. Just he their balloons. I go, yes, they're oh. balloons. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so the, oh. the balloons bring bring him over, and then we have our final confrontation. Yeah, and a lot of that is let me throw a rock at you. Uh, <laughs> you know, which happens. You get that. Well, but get but but you also have
4: you have the scene, the scene that for everybody who is a King Kong uh, fan, um, there's always that that that. Um, it's Kong shoving the, the tree down the T-Rex's throat, which never happens, right? Well, this movie gives you him sticking a tree in Godzilla's mouth, and Godzilla's going, what are you talking about? Burn that out of there.
3: You know what kind of <laughs> I'm But, like,
4: literally, that is that is the, you know, everyone's like, oh, I think King Kong. It's like, actually, it's not. It's just in a, you know, it's, it's a very famous thing, because, again, it's it, we've seen it how many millions of times everywhere. I mean, that that's, you know, him, to, you know, that's how he's going to beat the T-Rex. So Kong rips the T-Rex's mouth open and breaks his jaw and kills it. You know, kind of thing. He doesn't shove a, a tree down his throat. So uh,
3: yeah, that, it's just,
4: it, that scene I, is,
3: yeah. but, but the thing is. But but who's that
4: happens? And I'm like, I love that scene. It's just so. Oh, yeah. You know. So
3: I had a. I have a meme, a GIF of that scene that I've used for years, and the meme says, "Eat your vegetables," as he shoves a tree <laughs> down Goji's mouth. That again. That that fight is. You know, it, it's it's well choreographed, it's well put together, and it's entertaining as heck. That's what it really boils down to. I mean, that was. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna peel back the fourth wall a little bit here. I'm not. I don't think I'm revealing anything great. Any great shakes. When when we were kids, I remember my dad really hating this movie, because yep. my dad loves King Kong. King Kong is my father's favorite yep. film, and it's what King Kong is the reason why. Jay and I are on this podcast right now. It's the reason why we have the uh-huh. interests that we have. So for years, my dad really didn't like this movie because of because he thought it was disrespectful to Kong and all that. He's he's come around a bit, but not so much. Still not well, so
4: Hayley much. Haley gave him the blue ray for Christmas. Yes. I was, she, she was like, I want to buy this for grandpa. I was like, all right, it's like six bucks. Let's get it for grandpa. And so, yeah, she gave it to grandpa for Christmas. So,
3: yeah, but, he, you know, I, he's softened I think he's, a little. He softened a little softened because a little. And, well because I've had discussions I I've said to him because I remember when when the Jack oh uh, no it wasn't the Jackson Kong when Kong Skull Island was coming out he dad was concerned he's like well this this is not the King Kong story you know he's like this is a I said, and I said it's I said Kong is like he's like Dracula or Tarzan or Godzilla he has permanence of character you can adapt him into different settings and a different stories. He's still King Kong, and it doesn't take anything away from any of the stories that came before. You know, Godzilla is the same way. I talked about this. uh, Actually, a lot of the modern Godzilla films kind of take him and put him in a different context, and it it, it works on this very premise of, well, if I change the way he looks and I change his size and I change, you know, how he operates, is he still Godzilla? Uh, Shin Godzilla is kind of the ultimate expression of this. Is like, is that is, is Shin Godzilla still Godzilla, even though he looks so different, acts so different? And he answers yes, because he has character permanence. Daffy Duck taught us this in Duck Amuck, right? If you take Daffy and you change the way he looks and you change his voice or you take away his voice, he's, you put him in a diff, uh, uh, an Arctic setting or in an island or in a, in a plane, he's still Daffy Duck. He still has character permanence, and these two monsters do as well. So, Dad always, always disliked this movie, when we were kids, and so, so I didn't, so I wouldn't watch it if he was around. But if this was on TV and it was the end, I don't care. We were watching the end because that's just you. You've waited that whole time. Your little the 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 the, the child portion of your brain, the neurons start firing because it's King Kong and Godzilla fighting on Mount Fuji, and there's nothing that's not cool about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree i agree you, you waited the whole and, movie to see the. i mean and this yeah. again this is this is a very efficient movie 97 minutes this thing is done yeah it's mm-hmm. got everything in there and you know we have multiple battles and like i said we have the initial we kind of have a, almost a little recreation of the initial godzilla and the initial king kong movies to some extent uh so there's a lot yeah that's jammed well
3: in here yeah well the thing that that's kind of an interesting thing that the dub takes So in the Japanese version, and actually in both versions, of course, Godzilla is discovered inside an iceberg by the U.N. submarine Seahawk and Godzilla raids again, a.k.a. Gigantus, the fire monster, which was the previous Godzilla film made in 1955. You know that at the end of that Godzilla is frozen in an iceberg. They cause basically an avalanche and snow and he is trapped in an iceberg. Uh, So it is very clearly the same Godzilla from that awakening out of his icy tomb from the end of that film. In the American version, from uh, the New York Museum of Natural History, which I'm pretty sure that's not its name. Uh, (laughs) I love the Museum of Natural History. I don't think it's the New York Museum of Natural History, but okay. Okay. Um, three New
4: Yorkers. We can vouch for that.
3: What's funny is that there's an issue of the Marvel Godzilla comic where Godzilla is shrunk down to like 10 feet tall, and he fights the Fantastic Four at the American Museum of Natural History. That is so awesome. Because I always think of all the dinosaur skeletons at the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the AMNH in New York, right? So God, but anyway, that uh, that that's that's a thing for a different for a different moment. But in the American dub, they treat this as if this is Godzilla's first appearance, and it's and it it, it, it does in fact introduce a continuity error. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> the pilot knows it immediately.
3: Godzilla! You know, kind of it's like so. not not look at that big lizard, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, uh, Noah and Jay, I know, I know you always enjoy this bit in that, the, the big fight at the end, but after, especially after Kong gets zapped with the lightning and he's, he's powered up, you know, um, he, he fights like this. Another party hurt. Um, (laughs) you go into the dogs there, Paul, you okay? See, I (laughs) might I think my dog just ah! got strung
2: by lightning and is powered up. <laughs> <laughs> Get off
3: me. Well, Get all I was going to say is that... Kong. Oh, yeah, <laughs> is that... So once he's struck by lightning, Kong starts pushing Godzilla around like a sumo wrestler. Yes. He grabs him, and he actually is pushing him back up the mountain like a sumo. I always thought that was the coolest thing, is that he, yeah. he judo throws him. He really... It turns into a wrestling match at that point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because then it's, then, then it's very pure Wessa at yeah. that
4: point. Cause it's all pure yeah. Wessa again, for those people who are pure Wessa is a uh, Japanese wrestling. So, um, it's, I mean, it's not completely strong style, but he literally is using what he would use in strong style In strong yeah. style wrestling. You use a lot of strikes and chops and, you know, the things that are borrowed from judo and from sumo and from other sports, because yeah. that's like, that's how you really fight. Like you like, it yeah. looks real. It's not, it's not, you know, all pageantry and, you know, literally smacks and chops and pushes and shoves, and it's like, okay, so that's why people think it's, it's so, it reads as real. Well, that's what happens here. It makes perfect sense, because that's the way, that's what wrestling is in Japan. So, yeah. you know.
3: I mean, even Godzilla gets in on it. He uses a tail chop as a leg sweep, which is yeah. which is great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Kong, well, don't, don't I mean, you know, he goes body down flip like a too. sack of potatoes. Don't yeah, we
2: get it. Yeah. 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 We get, a, we we get a flip At one point, throw? as if he threw him into the ropes, and when he came off, he flipped yeah. over.
4: Yeah, Yeah, well, the judo throw is great. When he judo throws him, he hooks him by the arm and judo throws him. You're like, whoa, what a good. I mean, as a, uh, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, that's a a really impressive judo throw for two guys in suits. You know what I'm saying? Like, the thing is, it's it's not like it's two judo players, you know, with gis on. It's a guy in a Godzilla suit and a guy in a Kong suit. Even (laughs) if they're getting help, it still looked pretty good for two guys
3: in a suit. Yeah, you also get the the tail swing. It's really hard to fight. It's like
4: like it's like fighting in a jacket.
3: You just can't do it. You know, kind of. You can't do it. Everybody knows you don't. You can't fight in a jacket. That's everybody knows that. (laughs) The the tail swing is also great. How much how much merchandise and marketing was done off of Godzilla being thrown by his tail by King Kong? And it's a half second in the movie, but it's still awesome. You know.
4: So there literally is in uh, is it in the Kong? I don't know if it's in the Kong or the Godzilla Crestwood book. But it's, this, it's King Kong's got him by the tail. And it, it, it was must have been a, plebisc, pleb, it's a publicity, publicity shot yeah. where mm-hmm. Godzilla's up in the air and literally, I mean, they, they, they got him suspended and whatever. But Kong is swinging him by his tail. That image, which is not in the movie, is, again, so re- people have seen it. They're like, oh, my God, look at this. This is great. He swings, he swings Godzilla around. He never – look, he doesn't giant swing him around. He literally throws him by his tail, right? I mean, if he picked Godzilla up and started helicoptering around, we'd be like, "All right, what are we watching here?" You know, kind of thing. Like, just say, we're getting a little far off, real far afield. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's so well known, they've actually made—I wish I was kidding. There are, there's a resin kit of this. It's, it's literally based on the publicity still, not the yep. movie, and it is—you actually run, uh, you have to, well it will stand on its own, but I don't believe it. I've only ever seen it run with steel rods run through the Godzilla into the con, like literally building the steel structure. So Godzilla parts can fit together to hold them all together. But I'm like, and I've seen it. It's, it's a phenomenal looking piece. It's huge. I mean, it's yeah. ginormous. Like each one of them is like 12, you know, 20 to 12, 15 years tall. And it's like, this is insane. Like, yeah. Just don't touch it. Just don't touch it. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Like, but that seems nuts. But yet, it's what people when they think of King Kong versus Godzilla. It's the them, yeah. them fighting over the temple. It's that picture. It's the little things that just conjures in your mind. Even yeah. if you've never like seen any other Godzilla movies or you, you're not a, you're not a, a Daikaiju fan. Or you're not a giant, you know, monster fan or anything. Those things are images you have in your head. So, cause have just always been there, you know? So
3: but, it's a striking image, right? It yes, is. It is. Absolutely, yeah. so
2: yeah. I think uh we'll go to the final question, and I tell you, I haven't made my final decision as to where I'm putting this one yet mm-hmm. theres there's two two possibilities as far as I'm concerned <laughs>
4: and,
2: they, and they are not con- they are not consecutive on the scale. Uh, <laughs> But I'll let you guys go first, see if,
3: see if maybe that sways me as I make my final decision. So do you want to go first or do you want me to do it? Okay, uh, so I was – was that? You go. You go. Okay, I'll go. So I was, I was thinking about the Jaws scale, and I was actually explaining the Jaws scale to my kids, none of whom have seen any of the Jaws movies yet. So that, that was an interesting discussion today at dinner. Um, <laughs> but uh, – uh, so Jaws too. It is an enjoyable movie with some flaws, but worth multiple viewings, because I've seen it so many times. And I'm talking specifically about the American one. I've only seen the Japanese one a handful of times, legally, commercially available here in the States. But this one, you know, the, the Japanese portions of it are, are, to me, are just very well done. The, 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 uh, I, I like the cast. I like to seemingly enjoy the effects, even as kind of uh, bonkers as Kong looks. Uh, but I, I like the, the choreography, the fights. I like the sto- I just like the story the way it goes. I like that it delivers on the premise. I like that we get little things that are subtle, that we get the symmetry of you know Mayhama's character being menaced on a train by Godzilla and then she's menaced on a train by King Kong. I like that both monsters are given equal weight and that they're both, specifically in the American version, they're both put over as each one of these monsters could destroy this country. And you want to you want to bring another one in here, you know? Um, it's like sorry, Mister Taco, but no. So to me, that this it's a Jaws too because it's not it's not as uh, it, it's not at the level the filmmaking level of like Gojira or even Godzilla King of the Monsters, but it's a lot more fun and it is an enjoyable popcorn movie. This movie was such a success for Toho; it basically became the template by which the rest of the Showa series went. Was broad meaning movies and they change direction here and there, depending on who the target audience was. But this movie is a reason why it's so popular. It's because it is a ton of fun. I enjoy it every single time I watched it this morning. And it was like, I was a little kid again, watching it on super scary Saturdays with my brother. So it's gotta be jaws two for me. So
4: I gotta agree. I mean, I always thought it was, I mean, I figured like, it's not like at the high end where it's like scraping to be a jaws, you know, jaws one. I mean, it's, it's firmly in the middle of jaws two. It's an enjoyable film. I mean, my daughter, my daughter, Loves this movie. I love watching it. You know, it takes me back to, like Luke said, when we were kids. Um, it, it has to be entertaining. My wife's has sat through the movie more than once, um, and my wife's really bad about sitting through a movie once. Um, I don't mean physically sitting there, because she'll sit there and play on her phone or do whatever, but to, she, she actually watched it with us this morning. Like she's sitting there. You know, they we're eating breakfast, and we're watching it. Kind of or what, We finished breakfast, but we're watching it as a family. Um, so that has to mean it has to be at a level. If I was to literally throw on, um, I don't know, uh, you know, some B movie, you know, that was like not very good, you know, kind of like uh, uh, beginning of the end, right? My wife would never sit there and watch that. Like as much as I find it enjoyable, it's not well made. It's, it's like, it's just insulting. This is not, it's, it, it might have its little winks and nods and, you know, kind of thing that where it's not played even though they, the US version plays it really straight, you're like, that can't be straight. Like, I, I got to go to, uh, what is it? Where's she going? Um, Okado. Don't go to Hokkaido. there. Like, they, they literally, yeah. Hokkaido. I, literally I the have to go to, season, Hokkaido. Don't go to Hokkaido. Don't go to don't Hokkaido.
3: Hokkaido. Don't go to <laughs> Hokkaido. <laughs>
4: right. <laughs> so, things like that that make you laugh and you kind of can, like, you know, enjoy it. it. It's, it's, to me, that's why it falls there. And I think, um, one of the things is, uh, uh, we were I was on with uh, Gene one time and we did the Last Shark right I think that was we did that all together right Paul um, mm-hmm. where literally that movie you're like okay it's it's funny as heck because it's just it's just that kind of movie but it's like uh like that's not nearly that's not made well that's not whatever like and that to me I find that enjoyable but this is not even close to that kind of movie this is way better than that you know, kind of thing. So I definitely feel this is definitely falls in a, in a, a, a Jaws 2, um, you know, and that's not even taking it to me. It's not even taking into account the fact that literally it is the mold that everything has been based off of, you know, it's important makes it, you know, at least there just for that. So
2: yeah, ultimately I am going to side with you guys and I'm going to say a Jaws 2 on it. Uh, I'll, I'll justify that before I go to what I was thinking. Otherwise, uh, but but one of, one of the key things in a Jaws 2 rating is the rewatchability. And this movie is eminently rewatchable. It it's it's just so easy to sit through it and it's gonna you know, it's one way you could just kinda have it running and not pay close attention to it, but it's also one any point you wanna watch it you can. Uh it's it's fun. It's funny. It, it brings out the little kid in you. I, I've talked about how uh, a lot of times with the Jurassic movies, uh, and there, there, I believe there's an exception to the rule, but at one point I had said, you throw you know giant monsters or giant dinosaurs on the big screen, and I'm a just I'm just a little kid again, and I'm fine. I'm watching it. I don't care. Um, this this fits the bill for that. This this got my imagination when I was a young kid, and I loved watching it, and now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm butting up against becoming an old man, and I'm still loving it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's no – there's, it hasn't lost anything for me. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Jaws 2. I was tempted to give it to Jaws 5, which is the So Bad It's Good rating. Uh, but ultimately, I think this movie is fairly earnest in the way that it's presented. Uh the special effects are cheesy, but that almost makes them fun. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think it's so bad. Because to me, so bad it's good means it failed in what it was trying to do, and it just ended up being funny because of it. And I mm-hmm. don't think this, I don't think this fits that definition. I think this is fun because it was trying to be fun. And I think it, it lived up to what it was trying to do. You know, yeah, there are shortcomings to it. It's never going to be considered a classic. And again, uh, I think I think Jason, you you hit it on the head. It's not like it's a it's a Jaws two, and it's striving so hard to be a Jaws, but it's not quite making it. Oh no, no, no! It's very comfortable as a Jaws two. Yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> just lives there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I have no problem with that. But it, you know, when it comes to rewatchability and when it comes to just general fun from a movie. This one fits that category for me. Uh, so, you know, I have, I have no, no problem at all putting it into that category, although I did have to think long and hard. only I think more so because, than anything else because I've just added that ranking and I'm trying to figure out a movie that fits into it. And when I first suggested doing this one, I was thinking it fit into it. But then the more I thought about it and the more I uh, I look at this, I don't think it's quite the definition of what I was looking for. Yeah. So sooner or later we'll hit a, a, a Jaws <laughs> 5, but I don't believe this one's it. So yeah. Thanks there, for coming on. guys.
4: Movie, I going to be honest oh. with you, there might be some movies that Misty did that might hit a draw us five. I'm just saying. So
3: <laughs> But Yeah. Go. Yeah, that's a, that that's about as good as you know, there are some that it's like you know, that the what I that's my brother knows the phrase I use, which is this movie has no right to be as good as it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't HR, know. H.R.,
4: the fighting eagle. HR, might fall on that kind
3: how about your How about Hunter your, from the Future? I was uh, going to say.
4: Hunter from the Future is exactly a Jaws vibe. I'm sorry. About, not to <laughs> give it away, folks. But Luke and I did a podcast on that, and literally the movie is absolutely insane. So you're like, this movie's not any good, but it's awesome. <laughs> is say, that on Bugs, and Bugs? Yeah. Box, Bugs? and Babes, yeah. It's, uh, right, we did so, it as a year-end special a couple years ago. Uh, so if anybody's
2: yeah. interested, seek that one out. It's, yeah. so it's It'll sorry. be available on the uh, Two True Freaks website. Oh yeah. So, so. All right. Thanks again for coming on, guys. I appreciate your thank time, you and it's us. always fun talking to you. You guys, uh, you guys are like sitting and reading an encyclopedia on the movies we cover. <laughs>
4: uh, so, uh, thank
3: you, thank uh, you for I, having I, us. I will, I will say, yeah, again, thank you for having us. It's it's always fun to be on, and there's a jaws, I, I would say. Um, it's fun to talk about some other than monsters, but we typically talk about monsters. I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me in the least. Um, the, uh, you know, you you got to be on your game with these. You know, I, I, I'll say that. I always always enjoy Is It Jaws because I never know what's coming. And and what the great thing about Is It Jaws is I see it pop up on the list, on the on the feed, and it's like, yeah. oh, man, I would have loved to have talked about that. I got to hear what they talk about yeah. on this, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So. It's always uh, it's always It
2: inspires that. Thank you.
4: Yeah, it's always the choices are always they're just not like you know it's not cookie cutter they're not like oh this is clearly going to be whatever it's like hey we're going to do die hard too and then we're going to do whatever and do whatever and like we did planes trains and automobiles like you know which, which is my one of my favorite comedies of all time it's like this is great and the odd couple and things like that like we wouldn't have a chance luke and i don't have a chance to talk about the odd couple on our show i mean it doesn't really fit into like giant monsters or b movies you know kind of thing so yeah, well, I'm sorry, um, yeah. I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry for pigeonholing you into the horrors with me, but no, no, who, no. who else am I supposed no, but,
4: to turn to? Yeah, no, all but right. you know, the other thing is though, the nice part is is that we get to, uh, you know, talk with someone who we don't normally get to talk with about these things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, um, a different perspective, you know, kind of thing. I mean, again, we all might be New Yorkers, but it's a very, it's sometimes we have, we have different experiences with movies, um, just because of our age differences, you know what I'm saying? So, um, sure. it's always to me interesting kind of thing, you know, but thank you very much for having us. Uh, I, I always love being on this show. It's always a good time. We always have a lot of laughs. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody is, uh, you know, able to enjoy you know, this diversion, you know, in this crazy world we're in right now. So, you know. Go
2: true. Good point. Good point. So thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.
1: ready look here they come pictures get some pictures
3: i think i'd better get a light check My money on Kong.
1: I'll toss you. Heads for King Kong. Tail.